Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. Welcome to church and Merry Christmas. So glad that you are here. Are you guys pumped about Christmas time? All your Christmas done? Christmas shopping done? No, no, okay. Still turning in your Christmas lists to loved ones and everybody else to let them know what you want. Uh, we have been talking in a, a series at Christmas time here uh, called The Thrill of Hope. And the image on the screen is of this unknown person standing in their socks, looking at the presents under around the tree and, and wondering with kind of hope, is the thing I'm waiting for under there? <laughs> is the thing I'm hoping for in one of those boxes? And last week I confessed to everybody that I am a present shaker. Uh, I, 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 I still, any, any guesses? No? Last week we opened a present just kind of hoping that it was something really amazing and it was some chocolate and a pair of drumsticks. Um, and so maybe that was somebody's hope, but probably not for most of us. Uh, I'm not, what are you hoping for this Christmas? Wonder what's in this package. Because you've got to get scientific about it. You've got to listen. Then once in a while you have to check and make sure nobody's looking at you, watching, watching you shake the presents. It rolls. We'll open it later. <laughs> open your Bibles to the book of Luke in chapter um, 1. We are picking up sort of in the story of Christmas as we left off last week. If you didn't get a chance to bring a copy of the scriptures or don't have it as an app on your phone, um, it'll come up on the screen for you this morning. Um, we're in part two of the thrill of hope, that lyric that's pulled from the Oh Holy Night song that we love so much at Christmas time. And, and here we come. Last week we looked at this encounter that, that Zechariah had with the angel Gabriel and, and his wife Elizabeth. And they had this child that was um, given to them by God who would be John the Baptist, this forerunner for Jesus. And this week we're picking up in Luke chapter 1 and uh, verse 26 and we're looking at another encounter with Gabriel and this time is with Mary, the mother of Jesus. So let's jump in today, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we talked about last week, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angels went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Okay, time out. If you remember from last week, um, Gabriel asserted himself as one of the chief angels who stands in the presence of God. This is not a low-level messenger in the heavenly realms. This is one of the high angels. Gabriel sent with this message down and he shows up in front of Mary. And in case you're wondering if this was some cute little cherub angel in a diaper, no. This was a mighty warrior of God that was probably still shining a bit with the glory of God. 
This was a fearsome character. And when it says casually in the English words there, Mary wondered what sort of greeting this might be. What that's code for is, am I about to be toast right now? I am in the presence of a supernatural being. Oh my goodness. He shows up and he comes to her. Notice a couple of times in the passage already, it says, that Mary was a virgin. We talk a lot about uh, the virgin birth. You hear it in the song, Silent Night, Round Yon Virgin. virgin. And you, you thought, I don't even know what that means. Well, it says over and over again in here that Jesus was born to a virgin. Let me give you a couple of thoughts here, right here in the middle of the text, of why that matters, why the virgin birth is important. Number one, it fulfills a prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 7, it is prophesied that one would come who would be born of a virgin and be called Emmanuel. And for someone to be born of a virgin, I'm assuming you've all had biology class, to be born of a virgin is called a miracle. It's a work of God. And it's a promise of God way back in Isaiah to say someday a miracle's coming. Someday a miracle's coming and you will see my handiwork. You will see that I am like no other. You will see that I am the Lord most high because a virgin's going to have a baby. And it's going to be my son. So one of the reasons why Luke has given us this reminder about the virgin birth, Mary a virgin, sent this messenger Gabriel to Mary a virgin, he says it a few times, is because it's a fulfillment of a prophecy. Another reason for that is, is because we need to, to hold to this theological truth that Jesus was not just some guy who had a lot of good things to say, but he is the very son of God. Not the son of Joseph, Mary's soon-to-be husband, but the son of God. Jesus is not just some man who had some good ideas and developed a following and, and, and had great brand representation all around Galilee. Jesus is the son of God, not the son of Joseph. There's a third little reason why the virgin birth matters. It's because... There is in some theological, muddy, cloudy thing of how our sinfulness passes and generationally as it did from Adam all the way up through us and to others. But Jesus was not born of man. And so he was from birth without sin. And Jesus, our Lord, our God, his whole life, he never sinned. So the virgin birth is not just a little footnote. It's important because God fulfills his prophecies and his promises because Jesus isn't just a man. He's the son of God. And because our Lord is worthy to go to the cross and give his life for the guilt of our sin because he never sinned. A lamb was given, an innocent lamb, a spotless lamb who had never sinned. And his name is Jesus. So the virgin birth is an important footnote here as we're carrying along through the, through the scripture. Gabriel's message to her is, do not be afraid. Don't you love it when heaven shows up and the first words are, do not be afraid. I hope you're not afraid of heaven. I hope you're not afraid of God. I hope you don't have this fear of God where you cower because you think he wants to punish you or because he's simply just mad at you. 
We ought to have a reverence for God. We ought to have that kind of a fear of the Lord. We ought to recognize when we're in the presence of greatness. We ought to have awe, A-W-E, when we think of God, but we should not have fear. Mary couldn't help it. Gabriel stood before her. Hello. He probably didn't use a door. Gabriel stood before her, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. We're about to have a talk. Uh Uh-oh. Gabriel says, heaven's not mad at you. I've got a message for you from God. Let's keep reading. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Lost my place. We'll just read it on the screen. Let's keep going to the next part of the scripture. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Time out for a second here in this. Look at all of the things that are referred to about Jesus. Look at all the different sort of labels and designations that are given for who our Savior is. It says that he is to be called Jesus, that he will be great. It says that he is the son of the most high. It says he's a descendant of David. He's in the line of King David. It says he's one of the descendants of Jacob, meaning it's part of the lineage, the carrying through of the promises that went all the way back to Jacob, that went all the way back to Abraham. God has been carrying it all through. And God had promised that a descendant of David would come, one from the tribe of Judah would come and be the Savior, would be the Messiah. And all these labels, all these designations, here we have Gabriel giving them to Mary, telling her who her son would be. A descendant of David, a descendant of Jacob. Look what it also says, Holy One, the Son of God. I'm going to get to that part in just a minute. I seriously lost my place in the Bible. It's dark in here. Have you guys noticed that? (laughs) It's on the next page. That's why. Mary says in verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Again, Luke's telling us one more time. He's emphasizing this point. And the angels answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. If you do a little work in the original language, it's like overshadow you like a cloud. And whatever that means in the supernatural way, um, so that the Holy One to be born, another designation of Jesus, will be called the Son of God. What a great capping off of those designations of who Jesus is going to be. And while we're talking about who Jesus is going to be, while Gabriel is talking about these things to Mary, let's take a second and just remember that Jesus did not come into existence in Bethlehem. Jesus has always existed as a part of what we call the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He has existed since before God said, let there be light. He has pre-existed before the foundations of the world were laid down. But Jesus was made incarnate. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus 
came as a man in Bethlehem in the most humble way. Next Sunday, we're going to get all into the manger and all that was going on in the birth of Jesus. But here in this message, Gabriel says, descendant of David, descendant of, of, of Jacob, most, son of the most high and a son of God and the holy one. This is an extraordinary moment going on. Mary asks the question, how can this happen? He gives her an answer of how God will do his work of overshadowing her and she will conceive in verse 36, let's finish out the passage. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. So Gabriel's, look, I know this sounds like it doesn't make sense, but God can do anything. And we saw that last week. Hold on to hope. That's part of the thrill of hope. When you're talking to the God, you have hope because our God can do anything. And Mary's like, I've had biology class. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how I can have a child as a virgin. I'm not married. God's going to do this. You think, trust me, Mary, God can do this because even your cousin Elizabeth is now in her six months of pregnancy. Look what it says here to finish this out in verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. A couple of different translations say, for nothing is too difficult for God, or nothing is impossible for God. In this one, when you explore the original language that the book of Luke was written in, you actually find it's the word, word. So that when God says something's going to happen, he always follows through. Isn't that beautiful? Gabriel looks at her and he says, I know this sounds hard to swallow, but if God says it, it's going to happen. You don't need to worry about how. You just need to trust God. I hope that lands on somebody's heart this morning, that you don't need to worry about how. We even talked about this last Sunday of God's timing. You don't need to worry about when. Let God do his thing. Just trust him. So whatever's leaning heavy on your life right now, whatever's weighing you down, whatever looks insurmountable in front of you, what mountain or obstacle or speed bump or pit or valley is absolutely tearing you up inside and you're not absolutely convinced that this could ever be changed, just trust God. And like Mary, you might say, how could this be? That this thing in my life could be removed, could be changed, could be fixed, could be resurrected, could be healed. How is this possible? Just trust God. For none of his words ever fail. None of them. If God has said it, it's going to happen. So what's the response of Mary here, this sweet, young, Mary, innocent, virgin girl. She says in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I want to walk through a few things with you in this text that 
I think God would have us give some attention to this morning. I'm going to give you five quick things today as we're talking about the thrill of hope. Number one, the angel said to, to Mary, um, God has found favor with you. God has seen you. He's looked upon your life and, and you are highly favored. So here's my question for you this morning. Here's the number one thing. What does God see when he looks on your life? Gabriel said to Mary, God, basically God's been looking and he's looked at you, Mary, and he, he wants to come and, and you have found favor in the eyes of God. Does God see you as one through whom he is eager to work? Does he see you full of faith? Does he see you loving Jesus? Does he see you loving the giver more than you love his gifts? Does he see you as someone that when he gave an assignment, this is a big assignment. Mary's about to show up pregnant, unmarried. Hello. This is a big assignment. Does God see you as someone that if he gave you a big assignment, your response would be, I'm your servant, whatever you need. How does the Lord see you? Does he find you ready? Does he find you full of faith? Does he find you loving him more than you love anyone or anything else? In my mind, I get thinking that God is just thinking, I I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to fulfill my promise. I'm going to bring the Savior to the world, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, the promised one is going to come. David's line is going to be carried on, and Jacob's line is going to be carried on. I'm going to promise to Abraham, and I'm going to come and deal with sin. I'm going to send my son on a mission to go to the cross, because Christmas is not just about the manger. The focus of Jesus is no not just about the manger. It's that Jesus came as a man in the manger on a mission to go to the cross. Because Jesus came for the sole purpose to be the sacrificial lamb for the guilt of your sin and the guilt of my sin. This was the kindness of God. And as God's going to execute that plan, I mean, he's looking, in my mind, I think he's looking, and he's going, I, I, should I use that young girl? Should I use that young girl? Should I use that woman? Should I use her? Should I use her? And God found this woman, and whatever was going on in her heart and life, it caused God to show her favor. How does God see you when he looks upon your life? Does he see you as one ready to serve his big purposes. Number two, notice here that Gabriel very clearly says that he is the Son of God. The end of verse 35, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It's pretty easy in America. It's pretty easy in the Bible Belt. It's pretty easy in the, in the area of Murfreesboro in Middle Tennessee to know that Christmas is happening right now. I hope that's not news to anybody. It's Christmas time. That's what the traffic's about, by the way. That's what all the decorations and the lights are all about. It's Christmas time. And Christmas time is when Christians celebrate the birth of the Savior. Christmas 
is all about Jesus. And Jesus is the Son of God. So here's my question for you this morning at Christmas time. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? I'm not saying if, you're, if your family believes that, if you were raised in that. I'm talking about you individually, you personally. Have you come to a point where you've sat and you've responded to say, I believe that Jesus wasn't just a historical figure. He's not just a little baby in the manger. He's not just some guy who had a lot of cool things to say or did some interesting miracles way back when. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Because it makes all the difference when you do. This is incredible that God sent his son Jesus because he loved you and he loved me. He sent his son Jesus to be the sacrificial lamb to give his life on the cross. You see, what happened was God took this method of execution called a cross. This was a Roman method of execution. And God took that and flipped it and turned it into an altar of sacrifice. It's a beautiful love moment where Jesus said, I'm going to give my life so they don't have to. I'm going to endure the wrath of God and punishment of God for sinfulness because they couldn't endure the wrath of God. He did what we could not do for ourselves. And he died. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. This is our faith. That Christ has died. That Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. This morning, I'm asking you individually, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That he came and died for your sins and that God raised him from the dead? Are you currently right now believing in Jesus as the Son of God? Not what your spouse believes, not what your parents believe, you. Because all of us are individuals and all of us as individuals will stand before God one day. I don't know if you thought about that. You're gonna stand before God and you're not gonna be able to say like, oh, I'm with my spouse. I'm with her, I'm her plus one. You won't stand before God and go like, is there a family plan? Like, like my mom and dad were real into Jesus, but I just sort of came along and they beat on my door on Sunday mornings and told me I was getting out of bed and getting some clothes on. And they told me over and over again, the car's leaving in five minutes and then three minutes and then one minute. And then they told me I will leave you. And then we walked into church and smiled. But that was my parents' thing. There, there's no family plan when we stand before God one day. So Gabriel says to Mary, this child you're gonna have is gonna be the son of God. Jesus, whom we celebrate at Christmas, is the son of God. And so I'm asking you this morning, do you believe that is true for your life? Do you believe in Jesus? If you don't, you should do that today. You should believe in what Jesus did for you on the cross. And you should believe and ask God to forgive your sins, and he will. And then you don't have to fear death or fear standing before God one day. Because those who believe in Jesus have eternal life in heaven. Do you believe that he's the son of God? The third thing I want you to hear this morning out of this text is, is that God always keeps his word. 
God always keeps his word, and it's really hard to endure and to wait. We mentioned that last week. It's so hard to wait, and if you're waiting on God to fulfill something in your life, I would just say to you, hold on. And if you're waiting on God to fulfill something in your life, please don't do it alone. Would you please link your arms with some other people who are hoping in God and so that they can cheer you on and love you and wait with you? Waiting's easier when you have someone to wait with, right? God always keeps his word. I cannot tell you when, but he will always keep his word. There is no one faithful like our God. And when you get right down to it, being faithful isn't something he does, it's who he is. You cannot separate God's faithfulness from his character. That's who he is. And I know it seems like he's not coming, but he's coming. If he said he's coming, he's coming. I don't know he said whatever he said to your heart. And it hasn't happened yet. Do not give up hope. Because the one we're talking about is the one who keeps his promises from Abraham to Bethlehem. The one that we're talking about is the one who can cause a young virgin girl to give birth to the Son of God. The one who we're talking about can give sight to the blind and can raise the dead. Do not lose hope because God always keeps his word. And on a Tuesday this week, you may be struggling for hope. And I would encourage you just to pray and ask God to increase your faith. But on this Sunday, on this Sunday while we're all together, even just for a couple of minutes, I just want to be a voice in your ears. And I want the Spirit of God to be a voice in your heart right now to say, God is faithful. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You have not been forgotten. Hold on. The thrill of hope is the lyric from O Holy Night and that lyric is bookended by this thought. Long lay the world in sin and darkness pining, yearning, pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Hope, the thrill of hope is we believe in what our God can do. He can do anything. Number four, just two more. Note in the text that God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. What you don't see in this story is, is that Mary is living in the palace and she is the princess and she's been groomed for greatness. This is a common, young, innocent girl who was living the kind of life that God wanted to show favor on and to bless her. 
God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And so if you're thinking that it's not possible for God to move in your office complex, listen, God could use you. Oh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't talk really well in front of people. Yeah, but you're really great one-on-one. Well, I'm not so, I've never been to seminary. That's all right. God's spirit could put words in your mouth. Oh, I'm not sure if I could get through to anybody. Listen, no person ever gets through to another person. If any person sees Jesus and understands Jesus, it's not because they were convinced in an argument or persuaded in a debate. It's because God opens their eyes to see Jesus really is the Son of God. So God could use you in your cubicle to start a move in his, in his ways in your office. I don't know. I'm just little old. I'm like, I'm like, I don't even show up in the org chart. I'm on the back page of the org chart. God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. So live your life loving him and be open to responding to him and be ready to follow him. And when the opportunity presents itself, open your mouth to talk about him teenagers, in your high school, in your middle school, there is an absolute guarantee that God could use your life to start a move on your campus. Do you believe that? Because our God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. What great encouragement I don't know if I've figured all it out and I don't have my own junk together. Neither did Mary. God can use you. Last one. Last thing, number five. Notice, friends, in the text that Mary isn't concerned about how God's plan will be good for her. Let me say that again. Mary isn't concerned with how God's plan will be good for her. What's her response at the end of the text? Gabriel finishes his speech, his message, and she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever you need, God. I'm not going to do the math and think about, uh uh-oh, I got to tell all my friends that I'm pregnant and answer all the questions of how. And all the people are going to look at me and go, overshadowed you. Yeah, right. I don't believe that. And people, I'm going to have to endure everybody going to the Joseph, going, Joseph, man, put her away. Move on. This girl's not been true to you. Use your eyes. Virgins don't get pregnant. The ridicule, the difficulty, the challenges Mary didn't step back and do all those calculations. She just responded with, I'm the Lord's servant. So the point here is Mary, in this moment, isn't concerned with how God's plan is going to be something that turns out to be good for her. She just wants to do God's plan. Isn't that a beautiful posture to be in? I just want to serve the Lord. I am the Lord's servant. God, how do you want to use me today? If it's costly to me, that's all right. I'm in. 
If people look at me funny because of what I choose not to do because I love Jesus, I'm in. If people ask me all kinds of questions and people doubt you or they doubt what you're doing in my life or they doubt that there's value in the fact that I get up in the morning and read my Bible, if they doubt and challenge and all these kind of things that they ridicule, I'm in. I'm still in. Because anything that's on your mind, I want to be a part of that. Anywhere you're going, I want to be there. Whatever you need, Lord, my life is an open hand. Yes, I've got some plans, but I'm laying those plans in front of you in an open hand. And I'm saying, Lord, use me. It would be an honor and a privilege for you to use my life and my days. I am your servant. That's the challenge for you and me this morning. Lord, I got plans for the next week, for the next six months. Young people, I got plans for college. So I'm going to do this, and then I want to go to that school, and I'm going to get this kind of job, I'm going to have this kind of salary. And then I'm going to meet this kind of person, we're going to have this kind of wedding, and we're going to grow old together, and it's going to be beautiful. Awesome. I'm a, a dreamer. I love planning. I love thinking ahead. Have dreams. Have aspirations. Dream big with God, but hold it with an open hand. Because one day, a common young virgin girl was visited by Gabriel. And she had all her plans. And she just said, I'm your servant, God. I'm the Lord's servant. May whatever you've said be fulfilled. I'm in. Is there something in your life that you're trying to hold back from God as if you could? God, I'm good with you in all these other areas, but don't meddle with this area over here. I got this one. This is mine. Maybe this Christmas you and I can grow in being open-handed, willing, trusting, happy to serve the King in our office, in our neighborhood, at the dinner table with family over Christmas, in our schools. What's your plan, Lord? I'm not even gonna ask if it turns out good for me. What's your plan? I'm your servant. I love how God operates in sort of an upside down economy. We've heard over and over again, you know, you've heard it said this and that. Jesus said the last will be first. (laughs) You've heard it said, you know, an eye for an eye, go get your enemy back. Well, here's the deal. Pray for your enemy. Love your enemy. Jesus turns things upside down. And even in the coming of the Messiah, God turns things upside down into this beautiful humility. The manger, the miracle that happens there was very quiet And it was really a private moment. God does things in unique ways that are different than what we expected. Let's get back to our present for a minute. I I heard earlier it rolls. What do you hope it is? Oh, 
you're so bright, Caroline. The box is too big for the present. I think you're right. Or presents. What do you think it is? What do you hope it is? When Israel was awaiting the Messiah, the promised one. Should we open it now? Okay. What, when, when Israel was waiting for the Messiah, when they were, were waiting for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, when they were waiting for God to fulfill his promise to Jacob, when they were waiting for, for God to come through with the Messiah, they just kept thinking, certainly, <laughs> certainly when the Messiah comes, he's going to kick these filthy Romans out of our country. That's what's going to happen He's going to come and he's just going to get after him. He's going to take over. He's going to show him what's what. It's not even going to be close. It's not even going to be funny when Messiah comes. Oh, it's going to be amazing. He's going to be like David. He's going to have this big old crown. He's going to have a big old building. He's going to have all these, this stuff going on. It's going to be incredible. When Messiah comes, it's awesome. That's cool. Y'all want to know what's in here? So it's, it's, it's a bottle of vitamins. <laughs> so these are men's multivitamins gummies. Dan, you're a healthy dude, but you know, and, and a bottle of women's, that was the rolling. There were, there were two of them in here. Women's multivitamin uh, gummy. Christy, you're close. It's okay. Merry Christmas, by the way. That counts, all right? I got you something this year. <laughs> Little kids in their socks in front of the tree are looking at the presents. And they're hoping and they're hoping. That's the thrill of hope. They're shaking. They're wondering, I hope it's this. I hope it's that. And then they open it. And it wasn't something they wanted. It was something they needed. And they try real hard to say, thank you. It's a new toothbrush. Yes. Can't wait to post about this. When Israel was waiting for the Messiah, oh, he's going to be this. He's going to come. He's going to take over. He's going to kick out those Romans. And when Messiah came, he came for a bigger purpose than just what they thought or what they could see. So can we come around Christmas this year and say, thank you, God, for giving us what we needed for our sins and for our heart, even more than we wanted. Can we be like Mary and say, I am your servant, so let's just find out, why don't you tell me what you need instead of me telling you what I need? Can we in this season be really happy to serve the one whose gifts are always better than we thought they would be? Whatever you're hoping for, whatever's in the mind of God is even better. Because our God doesn't do anything halfway. He is a lavish giver. Are you waiting? Are you longing? Are you in a moment of hope because something's unfulfilled or unresolved, unfinished? Trust that God in his timing 
won't just give you what you want. He'll give you what you need. Let's pray. Lord, for all of us this morning, we are humbled by the truth that we needed a Savior. It's even hard to admit sometimes that we needed saving, but it's true. And we thank you for giving your son Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. And I thank you that he died and rose again. Lord, I pray for those in the room that are in a moment of hope and they're getting weary and their heart hurts and they're not sure how it's going to turn out and, and they're having more days, God, when they, when they can't even see how it could turn out. And like Mary, they're saying, how can this be? Lord, so right now, would you do a supernatural work in their hearts? And would you give them fresh hope in you? that you can do anything. And for those who've heard about Jesus, Lord, I pray you would give them eyes to see that Jesus is your son. Thank you for Christmas. We love the trees. We love the lights. We love the family time. We love the gifts. We love all of it, Lord. We love the songs but we're also grateful that we have this to commemorate. When love came down, when you gave the world what we needed in the most extravagant gift there could ever be. We love you for your generous gift because hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. thank you and we receive him as an expression of your love we love you we love you God we love you